Welcome to the Discipleship Helps podcast. This podcast is designed to accompany you as you work through the book, Discipleship Helps. This book guides us through foundational doctrine every disciple should know. From time to time, you'll be able to pause and write your answers to the questions in the workbook. We encourage you to read each scripture and cover this journey in prayer. So without further ado, let's begin. We hope you enjoy. Mighty God, we just thank you for tonight. Uh, Lord, I just never want to rush into anything, especially as we talk about foundational things. Lord, may, may our foundations just be covered in prayer. Um, everything that's built upon in our lives. Father, would you just make sure that it's set right? Would you make sure that it's sturdy and strong? Uh, God, would you help us... Uh, would you help us to be careful as we lay foundations? Um, Lord, that we would put the necessary work and effort into laying these foundations. And um, God, would you just show us when we're in error? Would you uh, keep us humble so that we never get to a prideful place and think that we've got it figured out? But may we take the attitudes of the people who spent their entire lives studying your word and always be ready to learn and open to learn new things and open uh, to allow you to change our mind and our position. Uh, Father, we just, uh, we humble ourselves before you. You are the creator and sustainer of everything. You are the beginning and the end. And so, Father, we just humble ourselves before you tonight. We just say, Holy Spirit, come and fill this place. Guide the words of this study. Guide our conversations. Help us to not be um, show-offs or people who just demonstrate our vast knowledge, but rather people who build each other up and, and love each other and serve each other and edify one another and speak life over one another with our words. Um, just identify us by our love for each other and our love for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on in. Praise God. All right, so let's dig into Lesson 7. Reading the Bible. This book has changed my life. I, I, I am totally serious about that. Bible? Our Father Abraham. Listen to this. The great 12th century philosopher uh, Maimonides reflected this rabbinic attitude that every Jew should be devoted to Torah study. Every man in Israel is obliged to study the Torah, whether he is firm of body or a sufferer from ill health, whether a young man or of advanced age with his strength abated. Even a poor man who is supported by charity and obliged to beg at doors, and even one with wife and children to support, is obliged to set aside a period for Torah study by day and by night. As it is said, thou shalt meditate therein day and night. This community-wide dedication to learning advocated by Maimonides is, is presently modeled in America in a remarkable way by the Hasidic community. Listen to this. Among the Hasidim in Brooklyn, New York, boys begin their study of Hebrew at age three. 
In their fourth year, they start learning the Torah. Here is a snapshot view of their ongoing rigorous training. For an adolescent, the Torah is all. Six days a week, boys rise at 3 or 3.30 in the morning to go to mikvah, the ritual bath, are in school from 5.30 or 6 a.m. until nearly sundown, and then return to synagogue. After supper, they return to synagogue for the nightly study session. On Saturday, the Sabbath, they are in synagogue all day. Large segments of today's church may well be amazed at this contemporary Hasidic example of commitment to learning, but the church should be inspired to rethink its commitment to a program of Christian education which is serious in its goals of learning. Too often, the church's attitude toward learning amounts to little more than passive satisfaction with its seemingly superficial Sunday scanning of the scriptures. Superficial Sunday scanning of the scriptures. That's what we've been satisfied with when it comes to reading the Bible. Hey, Nikki, come on in. So introduction. Traveling through a desert without a compass would be an insane thing to try. A compass or a map would ensure we would not be lost or even die wandering around in circles. God never intended the Christian life to be without direction. He has given us the Bible as a guidebook to help us through the pitfalls and obstacles we face. In Matthew 4, 4, Jesus taught that the Word of God is our spiritual food, just like bread is physical food. Let's go there. Matthew 4, 4. Ian, read out Matthew 4, 4 for us, please. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. If you had a choice, would you skip a meal to read the word? If you had to choose between the two. Key verse, All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, for correction, for training, in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate and equipped for every good work. So, all scripture is inspired by God. Tomorrow morning at nine o'clock, I'm having a conversation with uh, an old friend who lives in Atlanta, Georgia. He is a black man and he is often outspoken about um, racism. In America and in the church, he is uh, 40 years old and he has three daughters. He has a powerful voice and he's actually traveling and speaking. And he came out of Rockford, which is where I came from, for discipleship training. That's where I got some discipleship training. And many people that came, including the guy that married me and Lindy, or Lindy and I, are now ascribing to the idea that the Bible doesn't answer all of our issues for today, doesn't address our issues, and isn't an authoritative source for the problems that we face today. The idea that, so this is a blog post that he recently put up, which is why I reached out to him and asked if we could have a conversation. 
But he wrote, and he has a large following. And uh, we've exchanged a few times before. I, I had a conversation with him in the past, and so I wanted to reach out to him again about his latest post. But he put up that uh, the church uh, really doesn't address divorce. And we seem to take a stance on homosexuality. So we should stop taking such a stance on homosexuality since we really give a pass to people who go through divorce. And we don't really address that the biblical way. Uh, and to think that the Bible uh, is authoritative on our issues for today is outdated. The Bible is antiquated. It's a, it's a good source for us to get some truth from, but it's not the end-all, be-all for truth. Do you all know anybody that, that believes that way about the Bible? The Bible was, was good, but, but it's not, you know, it doesn't answer all our problems for today. Things have changed. The Bible should be evolving. And when you look at this verse that says, All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate and equipped for every good work. To think that the Bible is outdated, or even that the sayings of Jesus are outdated, supposes that Jesus was stating truth that was subject to change. Supposes that the, the, the men who wrote this Bible were the authors and the source of this truth. When we think of this book as written by men that came from the mind of men, from the hearts of men, and just from their own experiences, and not as God-breathed, and not as for today, not as living and active, not as an eternal word where no stroke of a pen will disappear until every bit of it has been fulfilled. When we don't see it as that, can you see how it's pulling at the thread and it be, the whole thing begins to unravel? Because it may start with homosexuality, but then as you begin to say, it doesn't apply there. You know what else it doesn't apply to? This. You know what else it doesn't apply to? This, or this either, or this either. You know what? It's just another book and it has a lot of good truth in it, but it's not the source of truth. Do you see how it all begins to unravel? When we pick and choose what parts of the Bible that are applicable for today, we are putting ourselves in the seat of God and we are determining what's acceptable and what is true. Do you see how dangerous that is? Now, I'm not saying dangerous from the standpoint of we should never evolve. We should never get smarter. I think evolving is us applying this more and more. Amen. That's what I see as evolving. I see that we've devolved into us being the sources of truth. And look at what's happening. Do you see? We've, we've taken that wheel a long time ago. The reins to that horse a long time ago. And the product that we see around us is the result of that thinking. So it's not like it's a new social experiment for us to go our own way and pick our own truth. Do you see that? That's not a new thing. When we think about the Bible, we need to recognize that we have strayed from it. And we don't need more time to see if our way works. It's not working. Do you see? 
When people talk to me about, because we homeschool our kids, when people talk to, like, oh, your kids are going to be weird. They need to be, they need to see what's going on in the world. What I tell them is, the world will have their chance. This is my time. They'll have their chance. For now, I'm training, when I look around at the world and the job they're doing, the world's like, you should give your kids to us for a little bit. I'm like, you guys are doing a terrible job. (laughs) Terrible job. I'm, I'm confident in my textbook for my children because it's never changed. This is why the reliability of the Bible that we studied last week. By the way, I sent Naomi the 31.68 degrees latitude and I have the website for reference for all the antiquities, the, the markings and the inscriptions. I got that for you guys. If you want to just come see me afterwards. So I went on that rant just to remind us that what we're studying, this is, this is the goal. This is like, this is what we're, we're trying to ascend to in studying. Because oftentimes people that write off the Bible are not people who have truly allowed it to impact their heart and have dedicated their lives to studying it. Okay? Those aren't usually the people who are supposed to be the authority as to whether or not the Bible is applicable for today and our problems for today. Okay. So why should a Christian study the Bible every day? The Bible is the key to knowing God since he has revealed who he is by means of scripture. This is why the Bible is actually mankind's most valuable treasure and the reading of it is a person's most profitable exercise. One of the other books that I was reading says if there was a fire in a house after saving the souls who were in it, the first thing to be saved would be the Torah. The reading of it is a person's most profitable exercise, more profitable than physical exercise. It is a total of 66 different books written by 40 different authors over a period of up to 1,500 years. In 2 Timothy 3.16, we learn that all of Scripture is God-breathed. Discuss what that means. What does Matthew 4.4 tell us about God's Word. Vera, would you mind answering that for us? According to Matthew 5.18, how long will Scripture last? until all of it has been accomplished. Amen. Second Peter 1, 20 through 21 teaches that the scripture did not come by did not come by man's imagination, but men moved by the Holy Spirit. So did man make it up in his mind? No. No. But men were moved by the Holy Spirit. What does John 17, 17 say the Word of God is? Truth. Truth. And what? 
Go ahead. Speak that out. Truth that sanctifies us. What does sanctify mean? Set apart. Made holy. Why should we study the Bible? So let's discover the process found in John 8, 31 through 32. Let's go there. Garrett, would you read out 831 through 32, please? So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Elena, tell us the process that's found there. Um, I said, if you abide in the truth, you will be his disciples, and you will know the truth, and it will set you free. Amen. Abide in the truth, we will know the truth, and we will be set free. So if I win the lottery, but I don't know that those are the winning numbers, am I a millionaire? Do I have the money? No, no. I don't have the money. Once I know, wait a second, these are the winning numbers, I now can get the money. Think about knowing the truth and it's setting you free. The truth is that Christ has died, yep. that the wrath of God was satisfied. And that God was desiring to show mercy and grace to all men who would receive him. If they don't know and they haven't received, even though that gift has been extended to them, if they haven't received it, they've not been made free. If they've not received that gift, they've not been made free. 1 Corinthians 2, 12 through 13 tells us to study the scriptures that we might know what? This one is a little difficult. Sarah, would you stand up and read verses 12 and 13? 12 and 13? Yes, ma'am. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might not understand the things freely given to us by God. Uh, and we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Amen. Mine in verse 13 says, This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. The way that you express yourself, the way that you engage with others, are you talking or engaging with human words taught by human wisdom, or are you speaking with spiritual words? You'll be able to tell the difference if you've ever spoken with human words from human wisdom and then you've spoken with spiritual wisdom. How many of you guys have ever experienced what I'm talking about and you can tell the difference? I know when I'm talking with my words and then when I'm talking with his words. There's even been times when I get up to preach and I can tell I start off speaking with my words and then the spirit takes over. And I can see in the beginning I'm stumbling over my words. It's take, I'm like trudging through mud. And then all of a sudden when the spirit takes over it just begins to flow. And I've felt that. I've felt even as I vacillate between those two as well. 
Let me tell you, I much prefer speaking with spiritual wisdom. Let's go to Romans 15, 4. Alyssa Hamilton Reed, would you please mind reading Romans 15.4? It's your Facebook name. Yes, please. Oh, that's totally right. So Romans 15, 4 says the Bible was written for us, instruction to teach us that through endurance, perseverance and encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope, hope, hope that is not circumstantial. Through studying the Bible, we grow in Christ and become victorious. What is the benefit of Scripture memorization? Let's go to Psalm 119. A quote that I heard from another book that I was reading says, uh, the man who has read a passage of scripture 100 times is not even comparable to the man who has read it 101 times. <laughs> How many times have you read the scriptures? There is still more to be found. Okay, would you read Psalm 119.11, please? You in the King James? All right. Yes, sir. Okay, I'm proud of you, man. I love you, brother. Amen. I'm excited for the things that God is doing in your life. So what's the benefit of Scripture memorization? Not sinning against God. That's a good benefit. Have the, have the cards gone around? Where are the cards at? Did they stop with someone? Ooh, who has them? Jade has them? Does everybody have a card? No. Here we go. Would you mind opening? Psalm 121. Next week when I come back, I will have this memorized and I will tell it to you. If I raise my eyes to the hills, from where will my help come? I did it in the complete Jewish Bible so that I wouldn't have it just right off the bat. My help comes from Adonai, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. Your guardian is not asleep. No, the guardian of Israel never slumbers nor sleeps. Adonai is your guardian at your right hand. Adonai provides you with shade. The sun can't strike you during the day or even the moon at night. Adonai will guard you against all harm. He will guard your life. Adonai will guard your coming and going from now on and forever. I'll have that for you next week.
So you're all getting a card because I want you to write however many scriptures you want to put on there. If it's one, start with one. If it's two, three, but put scriptures on there and come back with it memorized. And here's a little key. I'll bet you the scripture that you write down tonight before you leave will be of use to you throughout the week. I'll bet you find it coming up and being an encouragement to you multiple times. What do we use to fight the devil? Let's go to Ephesians 6, 17. So Ephesians 6, 17. Anthony, would you mind reading that for us, please? Come on. He has hidden the word in his heart. No. And take up the helmet of salvation and the word of the spirit, which is the word of God. Amen. So the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We use the sword of the spirit to fight the devil. This is the word of God. In Jesus' encounter with the devil, write out or write what stands out to you. Let's go to Matthew 4, 1 through 10. Jackson Douglas Design, will you please read... <laughs> Matthew 4, 1 through 10, please. Would you mind standing? Then Jesus led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you. On their hands they, are, they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give you, if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Beautiful. So let's have a few. What stood out to you guys? very interesting to me. I wrote down what stood out to me. Jesus was exhausted and hungry, so his flesh was weak. I wrote down that the devil knew and used Scripture. That Jesus responded back with Scripture, but Jesus used the Scripture rightly. And that the Scripture guided and rescued Jesus. Psalm 19, 7 through 11. Let's go there. Always remember Psalm 19 in this passage when someone starts to dog the Tanakh or the Older Testament 
and this passage that we're about to read, it is so crucial because it is David, who I believe is a picture of a spirit-filled believer in the Older Testament. That's why he stands out the way that he does. Because when he was anointed as king, the spirit rested on him and remained from that day forward. So we see that the law, the characteristic of the law is it's perfect. What does it do for me? Restores me. Elder Mark, tell me a characteristic of the testimony of God. So follow the Bereans' example. Let's go to Acts 17. Mr. Mark Millman, would you read Acts chapter 17, verses 10 and 11, please? So Paul, being who he was, didn't do it for him. They were ready to receive what he had to say. But even Paul's reputation that he had uh, built up by the time that he got to the Bereans was not enough for them simply to take him at his word. What if each time a sermon was preached up here, you opened your word and examined the scriptures to make sure they were interpreted rightly as the message was delivered to you? That's what the Bereans did. What if each time we got up here to give a message, you didn't simply take it, but you wrote it down, took the notes on it, and then went back to see if we got it right? Because maybe we didn't. Maybe we did. Probably we did. I don't know. Maybe. But what if that was the attitude that we took? Because we knew that it was life or death. And we cared so much about the scriptures that we wanted to go back and examine them for ourselves to make sure they were treated rightly. That's what the Bereans did. So we read here, number one, they read with an open mind. Number two, they examined the scriptures. And number three, they searched daily. Brad, would you take Joshua 1.8 Taylor? Would you take Job 23:12? Vicky, would you take Psalm 119:37? And Wes, would you take Jeremiah 15:16? Let's go with Joshua 1:8. Who had that, Brad? Yes, sir. 
night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Amen. Job twenty three twelve. Treasured the words more than my daily food. Psalm 119. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. Amen. The word preserves my life. Jeremiah 15, 16. Powerful. And they applied what they studied. Let me ask you guys something. When I say revival, how many of you guys know what I mean? We're talking about revival. If I said, man, we want to see a revival in here. Y'all know what I mean when I talk about revival? How many of y'all have ever been to a revival? A revival. Ryan, tell me about your experience at a revival. And they, they advertise that as a revival, or they, they said it was a, they called? As a revival. Okay. Someone else, tell me something more fantastical about a revival. Yeah, tell me something fantastical. Sorry that you had to go through that. <laughs> like, I like the music. Now imagine that times ten, and we had to listen there for an hour. And everybody, for some reason, was on their feet for the whole hour. Okay. All right. Revival. Someone tell me about a revival. It doesn't have, you don't have to paint it in a bad light. Don't be shy. If you've been to a revival, you think it was awesome, tell me about it. Yeah, Alyssa. Okay. Yeah. Someone define the word revival for me. Help me understand it. What does the word revival mean? Bring back to life. Sure. I think that's a good definition. I want to tell you about a word called revolution real quick, just for a second. A revolution is literally just a circle, just like a wheel going around one time. That's a revolution. You have an RPM, revolutions per minute. Revolution. A revolution is when something comes back full circle. It's gone all the way around. Do you know from the Garden of Eden to the time that we're back in the garden, you see a revolution. I believe that repentance, true repentance, full-blown repentance that takes us all the way back to the start is a revolution. When we talk about the move of God that we want to see here, now I'm talking to us here in the room. 
I'm talking about a revolution. A revolution is built on the word. We're grounded in the word and on the spirit. We allow the spirit to do whatever he wants to do. And we are along for the ride and we remained grounded in the word. Here's the difference. I believe that there are revivals where the spirit is allowed to do whatever he wants to and it can go off in left field. It can get crazy there. Yeah. If it's not grounded in the word. Definitely. I believe that there are revivals that have happened because of the word, like the Renaissance. When the Renaissance happened, it was because Gutenberg made the printing press and got Bibles into people's hands. And then what happened? Renaissance means rebirth. It means rebirth. And that's when the arts exploded. Dance, music, songs, art exploded. Inventions exploded. Why? Because the word of God was brought back into the culture. You can have one or the other and it be a revival. I believe when you have both, it'll be a revolution. And what will happen is a culture will be developed. There are miracles that happen in this church. There are healings that happen in this church. There are moments of uh, words of knowledge that are given. The spiritual gifts move in this church. You don't see us highlighting those as much as we highlight the word. Yeah. Because day in and day out, what you typically need is not a healing miracle but rather to do what the Word of God says. When we combine them both, you will have people who are living righteousness, bringing justice, and are led and guided and empowered by the Spirit. This is us doing what the Word says. So when we are studying the Bible, and when we're doing discipleship helps, and we're going through all this training, I want to give you a picture of the end of where we're trying to go. I believe that God is taking us down the path of a revolution. And I believe that that's what's happening. And I believe that this world desperately needs it. A revolution to take us back to the start. But we won't be the same as when we started. We'll be better, stronger, more empowered, and there will be more of us. It won't just be Adam and Eve. We'll have this garden populated with people from every nation, tribe, and tongue. Amen. Establish a daily time with God's word. This is your homework. So for this week, every single day, establish time with God's word. Here's your homework. Number one, set a time and be consistent. Number two, choose a place that is quiet and free from distractions. Number three, have a plan. If you arrive there and say, look, God, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, so make something happen. Right? That's not a plan. Begin with prayer. If you want to write this down, pray back Psalm 51, then pray Psalm 139. These are just examples. If you don't have something to go off of, I'm giving you something to go off of. Psalm 51 and Psalm 139. Start there. Mark your Bible. If you don't feel like you can mark your Bible, get a different Bible that you can mark in. Mark your Bible. 
it will bless you over the years. <laughs> Ask yourself, how can I live this out practically today? Don't let it be something that is old and ancient and detached from who you are. Ask yourself, how can I live this out today? And four, commit your favorite verses to memory. Write them out on cards. This is where we start. Set a time, be consistent. Now, if you've had a fear of talking to people or confronting people or asking people questions, there should be no one in this room who does not do this assignment. Every single day. I'll bet you we feel it. I'll bet you we feel it. If we all do this and we all pray each day and take this seriously, I'll bet you we feel it throughout the week and next week. We will feel a difference. Okay? So we're going to go through these verses. We're going to read them. And then we're going to talk about the main idea of the verses.